One of the things that we decided right off the bat when we started this podcast was we would not let just anybody sponsor us. To get on here and be a sponsor, you have to share the same values and you have to have the same heart uh, as we do. And you have to be providing something that's very important to us. And coffee is very important to us. And that's why we've been very happy to have Juniper Mountain Trading Post Coffee as our personal sponsors here on the channel. They're the company that provides all the coffee for the school. It's the coffee that we drink personally at home. And, uh, and we're very, very happy. They're a family-owned company that does everything themselves. And they have the same standards and the same heart that we do. So if you're looking for a, a quality coffee company, uh, go to junipermountaincoffee.com. And when you check out, make sure that you plug in and type in Dry Creek, all one word, for a 10% discount. Good morning. Nice and sunshiny and frosty morning here in Tennessee. We're getting on to about the end of the month. And, and uh, I'm not going to fuss about the cold weather because it's, it's not raining for a change. We've had some. We've had a very wet, very wet year this year, very wet winter. We had an extremely wet spring, and then a very hot and dry summer, and then this winter has just been crazy wet. But I'm inside where it's warm, got a fresh cup of coffee, sitting here and uh, toasting the foot of a uh, tabernacle, which I think that they are made by my father's cigars. Um, I was in a cigar shop a while back. I went with a friend into town, and we went to get a nice steak dinner and then go to a cigar shop. Had an excellent steak dinner and uh, then went across to a shop they had told me about. And I went in that shop, and that shop was kind of, it was kind of high class. Um, the, uh, the guys that worked in there, it was also a bar on one end. But they all had the little black gloves on and they would follow you into the humidor and they wouldn't let you touch anything. You pick out the cigar you want and then they would get it out for you. Well, I had asked for a League of Number 9. And I don't remember if they didn't have the League of Number 9s. I don't remember what the deal was, but the guy said... Uh, have you, have you tried a uh, tabernacle? And I said, no. And he said, they are extremely comparable. And I said, well, I'm always up for trying something new, so I'll try one. So he got me one out. And then uh, I ordered a really strong black coffee. And me and his buddy went out and sat on the sidewalk. And the guy, he came out and clipped the cigar and then lit it for me. Well, he toasted it and then, and then lit it. Um, and I felt really uptown then, but it was, it was an excellent cigar. The coffee was extremely strong. Um, the cigar was very good, and so that's where I was introduced to them and got started with them. So that's what I'm having this morning. Um, you know, I didn't, I did not start out from birth. I wasn't born and raised in the, in the cowboy world. In the cowboy lifestyle 
contrary to what some folks may think, I wasn't born with a big old bushy beard um, in this voice and and uh, and this lifestyle. I wasn't born on a ranch. I wasn't born riding horses. Wasn't raised having horses. I was born in Kentucky. Uh, as I mentioned before, both my parents are multi-generational Kentuckians. I mean, I was like the seventh generation. Born into the Noel side of the family, and and they were uh, just poor farmers on both sides. But my dad um, went... Uh, he went into the ministry, and when I was one or two years old, he went to Bible college, and uh, so I grew up the son of a of a preacher, uh, not a not one of these big time, pot bellied screaming and yelling big church high salaried preachers. We were, he was the honest real deal, and and uh, he he was a poor country preacher who sacrificed. Uh, to help people and to do what and to follow his calling so that's how I grew up and uh, I also was born when I was extremely small I, I should I should check with my mom like one or two years old I had braces on my feet that locked my heels together so that my toes pointed straight out because my legs from birth, I couldn't walk. My legs were all wrong. And so I had braces on for a long time to reshape my leg bones so that my feet would come back out straight so I could walk. And I was not a I was not a healthy, robust young man. Um I was very uh I was skinny and uh when I was um I don't know, fourteen I got my first pair of glasses. I graduated high school at, uh, I weighed 106 foot tall and 125 pounds. Not, not, uh, so if you'd have seen me when I was eight or 12, you'd have said, ah, this, this kid is, he's, he's bound for an office somewhere. Um, but when I was a kid, boys, young boys, you know, there were three dreams. You either wanted to be a cowboy, you wanted to be a, police officer or you wanted to be the president of the United States um, astronaut wasn't in there at the time because Apollo hadn't even done their thing yet I was born in 67 or they had just done it and it, but it, it wasn't um, but that was soon one of the deals all right eventually you wanted to be a policeman uh, a cowboy sometimes some of them a firefighter the president of the United States or uh or a uh, or an astronaut, maybe a soldier. Well, all I ever wanted to be was a cowboy or a policeman. When I played, I played cops and robbers, or I played cowboys and Indians, just like little boys all over the United States. The difference is, when I grew up, I became both. I've done both. Now, we. You know, I had I had a very secure childhood. I mean, I had two parents that took good care of us, and and they loved each other and they loved us. So for that side of things, I had a very I had a very good secure childhood. Um, 
but again, it wasn't it wasn't conducive to to uh, I didn't I didn't grow up into it. Didn't grow up on horseback. Oh, we had family and friends every once in a while. You know, they'd have horses, and I'd ride every chance I got. But that was you know that was it. That's that's all I could do. And uh, but I had uh, I had two I had two advantages. Um, number one, my dad and mom were not people that were bound by convention in a lot of ways. Um, we sometimes we lived in a very nice house, and uh, at one time we lived for two years. I had three younger sisters. So there was the six of us, my three sisters, myself, my mom and dad, we lived in a two-bedroom mobile home. And uh, so I slept on the couch for two years. And uh, I didn't have a problem with that. It wasn't an issue. Um, I had a sleeping bag. I'd roll the sleeping bag out of a night on the couch of a morning. I'd roll it up and stick it in the top of the coat closet when you come in the door. That coat closet was my... That was my wardrobe closet. That's where my stuff was. And so, I mean, that's, you know, it was, it was a happy home. It was a comfortable home. And, uh, and I didn't know that there was any difference. Um, I didn't know that there were people that would think that was an underprivileged home. Uh, at one point, Dad was going to go do something in the ministry, and it was going to require some traveling, so he bought a school bus, and my dad... One of those fellows is very handy with his hands, anything he set out to do. And so he built, back before it was cool, here in the era of YouTube, so we'll call it um, B-Y-T-E, before the YouTube era. Uh, before it was a thing, my dad built in a school bus into a motorhome. And we moved into that and lived in that for a time and uh, didn't. I mean, to me, it was, so he, they gave me the, they allowed me to grow up with the sense um, that I was, we're not bound by certain um, rules of, of this is the way it has to be. I did not grow up with the idea that if, you, if I didn't provide a three-bedroom, bath-and-a-half uh, house with a front and backyard and a picket fence, and two and a half kids and a goldfish bowl and satellite TV, then I wasn't part of the American dream. It just So I was given that freedom to grow up. Also, my dad, like I touched on in the video I did just in the podcast just before this one where your job is your teacher, my dad and mom, they allowed me to learn uh, the freedom of working a job at a very young age. That made a huge difference. But probably the biggest impact, <coughs> the biggest, excuse me, the biggest impact was the fact that my dad uh, hated television. Um, he saw it as, um, well, he just, he didn't, he didn't like television. So we didn't have television. So I grew up reading. And so you can imagine as the son of a Baptist preacher that was skinny, weak, Awkward, not athletic, um, living in a sometimes in a mobile home park, sometimes, you know, in a subdivision. And I discovered reading, and I discovered westerns. You know, I've, to my knowledge, I've read 
everything Louis L'Amour ever wrote, and some of it I've read multiple times. Um, Zane Gray, when I was, oh, I don't know. I think I was 17. My maternal grandmother passed away, and she gave me, and, and they gave me a her collection of uh, those hardback Zane Gray books. They were all, you know, one color, the Calvary blue and the, the red and the tan. She had a collection of those, and so they, they knew that I read them voraciously every time I went and visited my mamma. So they gave me that collection of books. And then, not just that, but I read Nordoff and Hall. I read James Fenimore Cooper. I read Dickens. I read, read, um, I read everything. And, uh, and it gave me, it opened up the world to me while sitting in a little mobile home um, in rural Kentucky somewhere, not athletic, not strong, not able to, to do things to the level that, you know, I would have wanted to do them. It instilled in me a dream. And I said, you know, one day I'm going to be a cowboy. Now, there were millions and millions and millions of little boys across this country who said the same thing at six, seven, eight years old, nine years old. I'm going to be a cowboy when I grow up. Well, the only difference is, and I'm willing to bet that many of them actually were closer to that goal to start with than I was. But the difference is, I put feet to it. Now, it took years and years, and I did a lot of other stuff in, in the process of getting there, but I never lost that dream. Listen, if you have a dream, if you have a dream, but you never put feet to that dream, if you never strive towards it, if you never make the sacrifice and the change um, and take the chances and just get to the point, there's going to be points where you walk up to the edge of that cliff and you've got to just hold your arms out open wide, close your eyes, and jump. And if you never get to that point with that dream, it was never a dream. It was just a fantasy. The difference between a dream and a fantasy, a dream is a vision of what the future is going to be. And you work towards that future. A fantasy is just what you wish the present were. All right. So it's it's not so when you in your life today n nobody and it's it's okay. I'm not I'm never knocking this, okay? I mean as long as it's legal and moral. I don't want to ever sound like I'm knocking a man's profession. Okay? I'm not. I'm I I'm not doing that. And, and that's never my intention. But it's funny, you know, when I was the, my last actual wrangling job that I had in Bandera, Texas, we were not far outside of San Antonio and, uh, and not that far from Austin. And so those are college towns, tech towns, uh, good-sized cities. And so we would have uh, young people, young people, young, and 
and it was even more noticeable with the young couples. But there would be two, or uh, there would be four, there'd be six young people come out. Maybe let's say three couples, you know, uh, a young man and his girlfriend or his wife. And they got together and they would come out. And, uh, you know, we'd saddle them up and put them on the horses and, and we'd, we'd head out. And, you know, you want to strike up a conversation. You want to, you know, be personal with these young folks. And, you know, so I'd turn around the saddle. And the guy closest to me, he, so where are you guys from? Oh, we're, we're, from, uh, we're from San Antonio. Nice. What do you do for a living? It always amazed me at how embarrassed that and and there's no other word for it. Embarrassed, sheepish, uh, sheepish. These guys would get, and they would look at me, and they would say, "Well, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a corporate attorney." And uh, so I'm thinking, well, you know, if you're an honest attorney, that's nothing to be ashamed of. And then say, it's not near as exciting or cool as what you do. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, and you probably make three figures a year, and I'm making $12 an hour. <laughs> you know, everything, everything trades off. And what was really noticeable to me was the ones who had a young lady with them were the ones who would look the most sheepish. Uh, you know, they would say, I'm a... I'm a software engineer, you know, I'm this, uh, I'm a money, I'm a financial manager and, uh, and I'm like, that's, you know, that's an honorable job. That's a good job, probably a good paying job, but you know, there's nobody at eight years old when the innocency of life, when we're still in our innocency, nobody wants to be a software engineer there's no i i'm out i guess i want to say there's no because there's always you're always surprised by humanity i doubt there are very many little seven-year-old boys out there in the united states right now that are saying when i grow up i want to be a corporate attorney i want to be a software engineer i want to be the IT guy for a investment firm. I want to be the one that takes care of the computer glitches and all of this stuff. All of those are, are great jobs. They're all admiral. They're honorable jobs. They pay really good. They provide a future for your family. You know, there's all that. That's not what, that's not what we're talking about. In the innocency of youth, we want to be a cowboy. We want to be a policeman. We want to be a firefighter. We want to be an astronaut. We still have that sense of adventure. And some folks would look at it and say, well, you know, fortunately when we mature, we grow out of that. I don't know. I, I would say, unfortunately, when we mature, we let life take that away from us.
got to talking about letting my cigar go out. So what do I, what do I have for you from this? Very rarely are we as stuck as we think we are. All right. I spent a lot, a lot of years in Alaska. A lot of ice, a lot of snow. People would come up there from southern states, and uh, you see them out in the parking lot, and they're stuck. And uh, so, you know, you go over there. Can I help you? Yeah, I'm, I'm hopelessly, irretrievably, irrevocably stuck. And, uh, you know, they'd look at my truck, which was usually a, a one-ton diesel four-wheel drive. And uh, they're like, can you pull me out? Well, yes, I can pull you out, but I don't think I need to. Uh, and I don't want to if I don't need to because I don't want to be responsible for jerking something out from underneath your little minivan. Um, and there were times it's like, look, with your permission, can I try it? Yeah, okay. And I'd get in the van, and with a little bit of rocking back and forth and turning the wheels a little bit, I would drive them out. It's often in life that we're actually not as stuck as it appears. We're not as stuck as we think we are. And just because that we are not born into a certain dream that we had from our youth does not mean that that dream is out of use, out of, out of reach. Sometimes it just means it's in the realm of fantasy because we haven't put any feet to it because we haven't been hungry because we settled for the secure um, in, instead of following the dream and uh, I was going <clears> to <throat> and so I just, I just kept on and you know it's sacrifices and I don't know what your dream is I don't want everybody listening to this podcast to come out and become cowboys um, you know, that's not, um, but I hear so many people talk about their life is a drudgery and they're stuck. They're just stuck. And, uh, they took a job that promised some security, that promised, um, a good pay, that promised a good retirement. You know, my dad... When he went to Bible college, he worked. We went. He went to Bible college, and we drove all the way up to Pontiac, Michigan. And uh, he went to work for General Motors trucking coach. And he would he would talk about, you know, he's talked about since. I, I was just a little bitty child back then, but he's he still it always stuck with him. He would talk about men who would work in that factory he worked with, and he was a young guy then. He was just in his twenties. Um, but there were young men in that, I mean, older men, I'm sorry. There were older men in that factory who had gone into that factory right out of high school and they hated their job. They hated their existence. Uh, but they would work there for 30 years. They would spend 30 years of their life doing something that they hated in order to get that pension, in order to get that retirement. And then the... They would retire, they would go home and sit on the porch or go fishing, and in two years be dead. 
just, it's just not life. It's not life. And, you know, it's not always job. You know, when we're young and teenagers, we're in college age, um, we dream of music. We dream of, of writing. Uh, we dream of, of uh, photography. We dream of travel. We dream of exploration. Uh, we dream of climbing a mountain. Uh, nothing is out of reach to us in our mind and our heart when we're young. But a lot of times we don't, we don't kill that dream, maybe, but time, we let time and life uh, take it from us just, just from neglect, just from neglect. And, uh, but it's never that far away. It's never that far away. We can usually get it back um, if our health isn't too bad. And, and we haven't made so many bad decisions in life that, uh, that we can't, we can't recover from it. Uh, so I don't know what, when you, when you were young, when you were a small child, what was your dream? What, what was your dream? <coughs> Excuse me again. What what was it that you saw yourself as when you you said, you know, when I'm when I'm a grown up, this is where I'm gonna be and this is what I'm gonna do. And how far removed are you from that now? Have you done it? Um I mean it's and I'm aging myself here, um, but when you're a child Ma'am, let me ask you, when you were a child um, and you saw the Walt Disney cartoon Lady and the Tramp the first time, did you say, man, I want to go to Italy? I mean, just, I mean, the cartoons that we grew up with, it, they, they do. They, they, that's our glimpse and our introduction into some former idea of what can be out there in the world. Um, what did you latch a hold of as a child and then never do and lost it and lost it? You can't, and, and fellas, there's a, there was a movie that came out two or three years ago, um, a, with Clint Eastwood called The Mule. All right. I didn't think, actually I watched it and I, I wasn't just real enamored with the movie but there's the theme song on that toby keith has a song from that called don't let the old man in don't let the old man in you are to a degree as old and as done as you let your heart and mind tell you as a young person what your heart and mind tells you that you can never do i guarantee you can never do it now, there are certain things. We, we have to have some reality with our dreams, okay? Um, even now, I mean, as much as I dreamed of and loved horses every chance I got when I was young, I knew I would never be a professional jockey, all right? Now, there's some things that size will just not let you do, okay? I was not going to be a professional jockey. I, I, I was tall. Uh, I was extremely skinny, but I was tall pretty young. 
and so you know reality and nature said no you're you're not going to do that and i knew i was never going to play for the nfl all right not coordinated not athletic not fast not big not strong um wasn't going to happen you know so there has to be a certain level of reality but sometimes we 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 bleed reality and um apprehension we kind of blur those lines and uh you know so we have to you have to be careful about that um where i where i find myself today um is not what i expected but i look back at all the times that i stood on the edge of a cliff and couldn't see the bottom and so i just held my arms out open wide closed my eyes and leaped and uh, and each one of those times where i said you know what i'm not going to let the old man in i'm not going to lose the ability to dream i'm not going to set down wrap a chain around my leg and attach it to a post because i'm afraid there are those who would call being chained to a post security i call that bondage and you got to be able to tell the difference between security and bondage because they are not the same they're not the same now i want to find something here I want to read it to you as I close. And if I'm messing up the sound on here, I apologize. I don't want to do that. And I'm digging in my phone and I don't know what I'm doing. So maybe that I need to not do this right now, but here we go. That's not it. Well, I should have had this in advance, but we're going to uh, we're going to just keep this real, and I'm just going to keep. Oh, there we go. Oh, here we go. Nope, that's not either. Well, I wanted to read you a poem, and uh, I know I've got it somewhere. Poetry, I'm going to do, I think my next podcast is going to be, is going to be on poetry. Um, a lot of you guys are saying, well, remind me when the next, is next, oh, here it is right here. When this next thing comes up, remind me to skip that one. No, I don't, I don't think you want to skip it, okay? Now listen to this. Come and taste the ocean, friend. Briny bite of salty sea. 
just to spite the fallacy of today and dream of a life lived simple, friend. Toil today for labor's love, not for pay, and then just move like a child to play. To embrace the mountain, friend, a solemn scene of a windy waste, lift your heart to caress God's face once again, and know toil alone will break you, friend, muddy mind and a heavy heart just to find you're yet a part of a lie. But now, you must leave this ocean, friend. The setting sun and the turning tide run your race. You can't abide forever, but returning on, friend. Um, Taste the ocean. I wrote that a few years ago when I was feeling a little bit chained to a post by life. You were not put on this earth. You did not come in existence, come into existence in order to work yourself to death and die. If you lost your dreams, if they were ever a dream in the first place, they're still there. They've just been covered up by a lot of life. They've just been buried by cares and worries and fears. Revisit them. Because without dreams, without dreams, we're just drones. We're just drudges. And without dreams, we cannot have a spark in our eye for the future. If we can't have a dream, a vision of what that future can consist of. And that future has to consist of more, more than just, they're going to give me seven days off of work once a year. And uh, I got to figure out what I can do in that seven days to make the rest of my entire year worth living. We can do better now. All right. Okay. Uh, I appreciate you listening. And, and uh, so if you haven't, if you're just coming on and introduced to what we're doing here just through the podcast, we have the Dry Creek Wrangler School YouTube channel. A lot of different stuff over there. Uh, we, have, we actually have a boots on the ground horsemanship training school that's starting back up in Wyoming this spring. Uh, and uh, so that's, there's a drycreekwranglers.com. It's a website. Uh, you can get more information on that. Um, shoot, I even have a Rumble channel now. Uh, it's where I talk more about um, firearms and, and uh, cigars and, and pipes. And just, that's my fun channel. Uh, so you might want to check that out. And anyhow, I wish you guys and gals. I wish you good folks a good day today, a good week this week, and uh, I'm hoping you can rekindle your dreams. Okay? All right. We'll catch you guys later.